light of infinite. The best fighter is never angry. Lao Cha. Being unhappy is a vicious cycle. It can lead to worry, anxiety, anger, and depression. And each of these can trigger any of the others. Anger is toxic to your body and soul, often triggering the fight or flight response, which floods the body with stress hormones, adrenaline, and cortisol. This could manifest in all sorts of health, nervous system, and digestive problems. The cure for all this is easier said than done, but it begins with a healthy perspective, with trust and faith that all is for the good and that everything will work out. I went through periods of depression when everything in my life was seemingly good. I wasn't poor or friendless or in dire straits, but in the way I viewed myself, I may as well have been. The Talmud teaches that a person is led down the path that they choose to follow. If you believe that everything is for the good, then reality becomes good for you. But if that person only sees bad, then they are treated accordingly with this lack of emunah, faith, and bad manifests more and more. I broke this cycle for myself when I realized that if everything around me is good, but I can still get myself into such a dark place, then the opposite must be true. I can get myself to the light, no matter what circumstances I find myself in. It was then that I tried to become light. Just as one light from your own flame is shared with another flame, your flame doesn't become smaller, only the other person's flame is now ignited. Since then, I've tried to live my life by what John Mayer so beautifully sings on gravity, just keep me where the light is. Doing so is rooted in giving, giving of yourself what you may need, loving yourself, believing in yourself, and giving to others, which creates love and community, something every person needs in order to feel alive. The Hebrew word for love, ahava, has the root word hav, which means to give, because love is synonymous with giving. Real love is something that you give and create. And where this true love comes to be, it's pure joy where anger has no place. In the Talmud, it says that anger can cause a sage to lose their wisdom or a person who is destined for greatness to forfeit it. The part of this parsha, Chukat, that jumped out at me is when Moshe got frustrated and angry with B'nai Israel and ended up hitting the rock instead of speaking to it. As it's written, Moshe and Aaron assembled the congregation in front of the rock and he said to them, Listen, you rebels, shall we get water for you out of this rock? Rashi indicates that Moshe sinned by saying, Listen, rebels, and faults him for striking instead of speaking to the rock, as Hashem instructed. The sin was that Moshe demonstrated uncertainty about whether Hashem would miraculously extract water from the rock. When someone's emunah, faith, and bitachon, trust, are in a perfect state, inner peace and contentment are present, and anger cannot arise. But when suffolk, doubt creeps in, anger lies waiting. Because in this instant, Moshe's faith was not absolutely perfect, he reached angrily to the people and their provocations. As a result, his judgment was flawed, and he hit the rock instead of speaking to it. In Likutei Lachot, Rab Natan of Breslov writes that Moshe struck the rock because the Jews were making demands of Moshe. Rab Natan explains that demanding is like stealing. Both are attempts to take something that belongs to someone else by force, either physical or emotional force. Moshe learned his lesson and never repeated this mistake. With the golden calf and with the spies, he pleaded and prayed to Hashem to forgive the Israelites using the power of speech for good and not as a demand. Ultimately, all difficulties in human understanding and faithlessness stem from the sin of Adam with the Eitz Hadad, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The good of the tree represents what is permitted, and the evil represents what's forbidden. Moshe's task was to speak to the rock and to draw forth its water. Torah is synonymous with water. And had he done so, he would have rectified Adam's sin. The Zohar explains that the rock represents the oral Torah, and that had Moshe not struck it, we would not struggle with understanding the oral Torah and both water and Torah would flow freely. Speaking instead of striking is putting requests and faith above force. Because these sins were not rectified, our task now to toil in perpetual perplexity, trying to create our own space of pure permission, understanding, and peace. This is only achieved by finding the good 
by learning and by strengthening our emunah, our faith, drawing ourselves closer to the truth. It says in Pirkei Avot, one who studies the Torah Lishma for its own sake or for the sake of heaven is like a fountain that increases its flow and like a river that never stops. Each person has the choice to serve Hashem or to rebel against Him. As it's written, you shall choose life. More life is a given and felt when a person serves the creator of life itself. If we are ever mindful of knowledge, the knower and the known, as Rambam refers to Hashem, one can trust that all is for the ultimate good and live peacefully without any worry. Anger and hatred, on the other hand, manifest from lack of faith and trust and are rooted in the evil inclination, the side of us that opposes the truth and life itself. The Zohar says that someone who gets angry is like one who worships idols. And Chazal, our sages, stressed that anger stems from the lack of emunah, of faith, in oneness and goodness of all. So it's as if an angry person is siding with idol worship or the evil inclination. As we learn in Tanya, when we are angered by action or an event, we are temporarily denying Hashkacha Prati, the divine providence, which is really what enables that action to happen. When it comes to Moshe's punishment of not being able to enter the land of Israel for hitting the rock, many Rishonim, the early Torah commentators, find it perplexing. Rambam questions Rashi, asking, why did Hashem command Moshe to bring a rod if he was only to speak to the rock? And why is hitting the rock to draw water forth any less miraculous than speaking to it? But Chazal point out that there are many instances where Moshe was commanded to bring a rod, but not to use it in performing a miracle. Even during the ten plagues, Moshe didn't use the rod, he only held it. The reality is that there are rocks that produce water from a fissure when struck. When Moshe looked to see which rock to hit, Bnei Israel might have thought that he would naturally draw forth water from it, taking away the miracle of speech that Hashem wanted to enact. The only way to reach the upper levels of holiness is through speech, through tefillah, prayer, the true speech of calling out to God. The blessings you receive correlate to the words that you speak. As we learned a few weeks ago with the power of counting and saying the blessings of Sefirah to Omer out loud. As Joseph B. Soloveitchik teaches in The Lonely Man of Faith, I will speak that I may find relief because there is a redemptive quality for an agitated mind in the spoken word and a tormented soul finds peace in confessing. And so the power of speech for a true tzaddik is that much greater. The responses from the letters to the Lubavitcher Rebbe are always inspiring and seem to be applicable way beyond the person in question that he's responding to. The particular passage that I'm about to read jumps out as an example of advice that should be implemented as universal practice. Keep the mitzvah found in the Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law, that if you hurt someone's feelings, even out of anger, you must apologize in person and ask for complete forgiveness. It is by nature difficult for a person to apologize. Nevertheless, you should overcome that difficulty and do it. In that way, every time that you're about to get angry, you will remember that afterwards you will have to brace yourself and to ask for forgiveness. That itself will help you weaken your tendency towards anger. If a rock which neither hears nor speaks fulfills the wish of Hashem, how much more so should we? We learn from Hashem that words create worlds. In the beginning, Hashem spoke existence into being. Tefillah, prayer, is our daily method of emulating Hashem, speaking spirituality into reality. Had Moshe used his words instead to say, Listen, you rebels, he took the power of words that could be elevated and united, and instead created suffix, doubt, and division. It is a lesson in how important it is to be both slow to anger and slow to speak harsh words. And that is why the punishment was so severe. As Rabbi Eliezer says, do not be an easy person to anger. The Altar Rebbe teaches that when hatred rises in a person's mind towards another, or jealousy or anger or a grudge, one should immediately remove this thought from their mind and should not entertain it. On the contrary, the person should prevail over their emotions, treating this person with kindness and showing an abundance of love. Not only should one not take revenge, but on the contrary, the person should repay the offender with good 
as we learn from the Zohar. Last week we read that when the descent of Korach against Moshe broke out, Moshe, knowing the truth and fully capable of setting them straight, chose not to go on the defensive or offensive. It's written, Moshe heard and fell to the ground on his face. Lesson 277 in Likutei Moran has an incredible teaching about the earth and dirt and what we can learn from it. Rabbi Nachman explains how the earth represents bitul, nullification, and how it gives life and therefore also represents love. He teaches that when a person encounters opposition, they shouldn't take a stand against their enemy saying, what they do to me I will repay in kind. Because it is this disposition that exacerbates the situation and causes their enemy to achieve their goal, where they see the person respond and act exactly in the manner they were hoping to provoke. Rabbeinu teaches that a person should respond in the opposite manner, to judge the enemy favorably, turning a bad situation into a good one. It's written in Talmud Brachot, let my soul be like the earth to everyone. Everyone treads on the earth and destroys it to an extent. Yet the earth remains in its humble state and continues to provide nourishment, food, drink, gold, silver, and precious stones. Rabbeinu teaches that in the case of the enemy that may oppose us or treat us poorly, we need to do for them every good, just like the earth. As Melech Shlomo, King Solomon teaches, if your enemy is hungry, feed him bread. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. It should be noted that this is speaking in the case of strife and conflict and not, God forbid, if someone is in grave danger, in which case they need to take a stand alert authorities, or find a safe space away from their antagonists. In the space of conflict that many of us face from opposition throughout life is a lesson of how we can flip the bad into good. And in such a case, Rabbeinu shares a beautiful analogy where the antagonist is the person's neighbor and he's digging a tunnel under this person's house to get to them. When they're halfway to you, you'd likely default to wanting to treat them in kind and get to them before they get to you. But if you do that, you've just done half of their job for them. If, however, you look at the earth as bitul and nurturing love, that which opposes hate, and go inside, pouring the earth on your side of the house, then you overturn the other person's plan, making it that much harder for that antagonist to use anger towards resolution. Rabbeinu teaches that taking a stand against the enemy, working against them, is just like the enemy, making it that much easier for them to reach their goal. Instead, by tapping into this aspect of, of let my soul be like the earth, we overturn the enemy's plan and as it's written in Proverbs, he who digs a pit will fall into it. The antagonist falls and remains in their own pit that they dug for themselves because of the earth love poured on top of that hate. Bringing it back to Korach and his rebellion, as it says in the Talmud, his controversy was not lishma for the sake of heaven, and he was not mevatal nullified at all. So he and his faction were swallowed up by the earth. We have to remember in the end, it will all be good, as Melech Shlomo writes in Kohelet, God sides with the persecuted. Rav Eliyahu Mizrahi connects this week's Parsha to another Torah passage. When Bnei Israel nagged Moshe for meat, and he responded in that instance, shall flocks and herd be slaughtered to suffice them? Rashi questions which of these is more severe, the instance with the meat or this moment with the rock, when Moshe says, listen you rebels, shall we fetch you water from this rock? Rashi concludes that the second is more severe because Moshe and Aaron were barred from entering the land of Israel because of it. He explains that the punishment wasn't for striking the rock per se, but the Moshe initially spoke to the wrong rock, and it did not pour the water forth, so he and Aaron thought that it might have to be struck for water to come out. Moshe then hit a different rock, which happened to be the rock that would have poured forth enough water for all Bnei Israel and their flock, if only he had spoken to it. The Maharal explains that whomever trusts in Hashem will be blessed with a happy disposition, and that is why it says, you did not believe in me to sanctify me. The main problem with hitting the rock which was born from a moment of imperfect faith by Moshe, was that it was an act of force. Moshe's sin was in the moment of questioning, and the anger seeped in in that one tiny moment. The Maral teaches, where there is complete faith, there is no room for anger, for there is great joy. 
What Korach didn't understand when he rebelled against Moshe in last week's Parsha was that each person has their own spiritual level. In fact, a true tzaddik has a greater Yetzirah than everyone else. Their evil inclination is greater, and the consequences of their choices are therefore that much greater. In this instance, we see that Moshe, who lived his entire life righteously, lost the Promised Land with just one moment of anger. The pressure of keeping Moshe's level of piety in every moment is beyond our capacity to comprehend. But what we can learn is that even just one moment of faithlessness for someone on that level like Moshe could block him from the Promised Land. How much more important it is for each of us to stay in a space of faith, trust, and joy so that we don't bring negativity into our own lives. Rabbi Nachman's famous teaching, Ein Shum Yeush Ba'olam Klal, means there is no such thing as despair in the world at all. It's a hard thing to put faith into, especially when you feel like everything is horrible or hopeless, but you have to hold on to your faith, and when you see the good that comes from the struggle, then you'll know why you had to experience it. Life must be lived, lessons must be learned, and in the end, good often comes from the bad. The Zohar teaches, by the way one handles anger, one can recognize who one is. If a person guards one's soul at a moment of anger and doesn't allow one's soul to be torn from its place, this is a person who is as they should be. This is a complete person. Shalom means peace. Shalem means complete. So we are only complete when we are at peace. And peace only comes for the mindful joy, which never has space for anger. As we try to reveal the spiritual light that is so often concealed in this world, in anticipation for the final redemption, I pray we all find as much peace as we can by being slow to anger and quick when it comes to showing love by giving of oneself. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.